keep God's word on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. Be careful to do what it says. Then you will truly be successful. Keep God's word on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. Be careful to do what it says. Then you will truly be successful. Good morning. Welcome to the 90-day challenge, Worship in 66. Day 7 is never lower your standards. Leviticus 11, 1 through 23. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, say to the Israelites of all the animals that live on land, these are the ones you may eat. You may eat any animal that has a divided hoof and that chews the cud. There are some that only chew the cud and only have a divided hoof, but you must not eat them. The camel, though it chews the cud, does not have a divided hoof. It is ceremonially unclean for you. The hyrax, though it chews the cud, does not have a divided hoof. It is unclean for you. The rabbit, though it chews the cud, does not have a divided hoof. It is unclean for you. And the pig, though it has a divided hoof, does not chew the cud. It is unclean for you. You must not eat their meat or touch their carcasses. They are unclean for you. Of all the creatures living in the water of the seas and the streams, you may eat any that have fins and scales. But all creatures in the seas or streams that do not have fins and scales, whether among all the swarming things or among all the other living creatures in the water, you are to regard as unclean. And since you are to regard them as unclean, you must not eat their meat. You must regard their carcasses as unclean. Anything living in the water that does not have fins and scales is to be regarded as unclean by you. These are the birds you are to regard as unclean and not eat because they are unclean. The eagle, the vulture, the black vulture, the red kite, any kind of black kite, any kind of raven, the horned owl, the screech owl, the gull, any kind of hawk, the little owl, the cormorant, the great owl, the white owl, the desert owl, the osprey, the stork, any kind of heron, the hoopoe, and the bat. All flying insects that walk on all fours are to be regarded as unclean by you. There are, however, some flying insects that walk on all fours that you may eat, those that have jointed legs for hopping on the ground. Of these, you may eat any kind of locust, katydid, cricket, or grasshopper. But... As for all the other flying insects that have four legs, you are to regard as unclean. Verse 41 through 45. Every creature that moves along the ground is to be regarded as unclean. It is not to be eaten. You are not to eat any creature that moves along the ground, whether it moves on its belly or walks on all fours or on many feet. It is unclean. Do not defile yourselves by any of these creatures. Do not make yourselves unclean by means of them or be made unclean by them. I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. 
Do not make yourselves unclean by any creature that moves along the ground. I am the Lord who brought you out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, be holy because I am holy. And that ends our reading for today. Our worship thought is titled, Never Lower Your Standards. I once heard someone say that the difference between major surgery and minor surgery is that major surgery is happening to you. So no matter what procedure you have to undergo, if it's a heart transplant or a cavity filling, it's always major surgery when it's happening to me. If you agree, shout amen. Well, in 2015, I was diagnosed with a rare non-genetic bone condition that left me needing a double hip replacement. Before I was cleared for surgery, I had to schedule several pre-authorization visits to my primary care doctor, my dentist, and my orthopedic surgeon. The visits were required and I couldn't get out of them even if I didn't have the time. I had to make the time. And if I'm honest, truly honest, sometimes those visits were frustrating. For some appointments, I sat in the waiting room for hours only to be seen by the doctor for seconds. It made no sense to me, but it was required for my surgery. After surgery, I had post-op procedures that had to be followed to a T. I had a binder full of rules. They told me what to eat, what not to eat, ways to exercise, how to shower, ways to clean the incision, and a long laundry list of prohibitions and medications to ensure I would recover well. After all, I did have surgery. After all, something was broken in my body. I had to learn to walk again. I was given a handicapped parking decal. I had to buy certain appliances for my house to ensure I could still live in that same house post-surgery. With that in mind, I read Leviticus. Some people have given Leviticus a bad rap. Some people don't get why all of the laws were created and why God seemed to be so strict with his chosen people. But now I see Leviticus differently. Could it be that God put these measures in place because even after the fall, he still wanted to be with us? Even after we missed the mark, God still desired to commune with us. In Genesis, intimacy between God and mankind was disrupted. Sin dislocated our metaphorical hip, leaving us limping and hurting. Adam and Eve were expelled from the garden. Still, God wanted to be with us. Cain murdered his brother Abel. Still, God wanted to be with us. The flood marked the time of great disappointment. Scripture tells us that God saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that the Lord regretted that he made human beings on the earth. Still, God wanted to be with us. What if Leviticus is not a book about restriction, but redemption? What if God instituted laws of protection the same way my orthopedic surgeon provided regulations so that I could live to tell the story about my recovery? What if all of this was instituted so that an unholy people could be with a holy God? Old Testament laws may read like an overprotective parent, but I believe the restrictions were written out of a desire to maintain relationship. After all, there were no emergency rooms in the wilderness. 
No CVS pharmacies to get medication. So when God told the Israelites what to eat and what not to eat, it was for the purpose of saving their lives, literally. The restrictions also pointed to our need for a redeemer, Jesus Christ. Leviticus makes it plain. God is holy. His ask of us is the same as it was for the Israelites. Be holy as he is holy. I pray I'd never forget that. I pray that you and I never forget that when we read the scriptures, we are not just reading the Bible. We are reading the Holy Bible. That is to say, every time I pick up the word of God, I must ask the Holy Spirit to teach me how to read it through the lens of holiness, not through the lens of culture, not through the lens of pragmatism, not through the lens of patriotism, but through the lens of holiness. Worship is about giving God a holy offering. Worship is about a surrendered life. It's not about giving God what we want, but giving God what he asks for. Don't you just hate it when someone gives you what they really want themselves? Had they only asked you what you wanted, they would have received a different kind of appreciation. In the same way, God sets the agenda for worship. God sets the terms and the conditions. And God is asking us to be holy because he is holy. God is not like people who demand that we do as they say, but not as they do. Instead, God sets the bar high and expects us to rise up and not settle for low level living. The Israelites didn't realize that these precautions were for their protection, but they were. In the same way, God may be protecting you by restricting you. In 1901, Connecticut made and became the first state in the United States to impose a speed limit for motor vehicles. By 1930, all but 12 states had them. It was implemented to improve road traffic safety and to reduce the number of casualties from traffic collisions. Now I'm sure between the years of 1901 to 1920, people had a problem with those limitations. I'm sure people fought to keep their freedom, not knowing that these limits we're saving their lives. What if God is trying to save us from injury and casualty by putting precautions in place because of his love for us? God's laws reveal God's love. Notice that God didn't lower his standard. Instead, God asked us to raise ours. In the same way, never lower your standards for people, places, and things that don't understand your value. Holiness is the standard. Holiness is the expectation. Worshippers are willing to level up their lives as a thank you letter for God's faithfulness. It is not by works that we are saved, but through the gift of salvation and the grace of God. Therefore, we live holy because Jesus makes holy living possible. We live holy not to earn brownie points, but because we understand that our God is greater than any other. Our God deserves our best, and our best is to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. If you remember anything else from today's worship thought, remember that Leviticus provides regulations and expectations for us as a people on earth because God wants to be with us. In order to do life with a holy king, we must become a holy people. We must worship him in a holy manner. That is the standard, that is the goal.
With that in mind, our worship work is to remember that God's laws reveal God's love. In honor of the book of Leviticus, your worship work today is to obey as many laws as you can, particularly and most specifically the speed limit. As you move throughout the day, as you drive and as you go from place to place, consider the laws of the land and see your obedience as an act of worship. Legislator of love, thank you for your protection. Thank you for the beauty of perspective. Help me to see you the way you desire to be seen. Help me to be honest in everything I do, both sacred and secular. I will commit to obeying the laws of the land as an act of worship unto you. What I need Holiness, holiness is what you want for me, for me. So take my heart